From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration from movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Michael Hyatt is the guest on today's show, and it is going to be a great one. So excited you're here because we're going to talk about creating clarity for your life. We're going to talk about creating a plan for your life and imagine what it would be like to to wake up and just know like this is what you're doing. This is what your your the design for your life is and having a really actionable way to kind of measure that and move in that direction. And I think that's so powerful and it's so needed. And so Michael and I are going to talk about that. I know you're going to love it, love it, love it. So thank you for being here. We're going to get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. I am so excited to introduce you to a very, uh, someone who's becoming a friend of mine and he's been a mentor for a long time and uh, I just have a lot of admiration for Mr. Michael Hyatt, who you're about to meet. And he is the former CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing. And so we have a, a, a love and affinity for the book business and publishing. And then also as authors and uh, speakers. And and I uh, read Michael's uh, kind of major book, The New York Times Bestseller Platform, uh, which came out a couple of years ago, which is a genius book. He has a brand new book uh, called Living Forward, and he published it with a friend of his, Daniel Harkavay, and um, it just came out. It is lighting up the charts, and it's no surprise, and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the topic, and I think it's going to be great. So, Michael, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Great to be on with you. Yeah, so tell me, like, what exactly is – so I, Living Forward is the name of the book, but the book is really about, like, li- this concept of life plan and yeah. life planning. So what is a life plan and – you know, how do you, how do you, how did you come up with one? Yeah. So a life plan is basically a brief written document, you know, not one of those big documents that some of us prepared in the corporate world that, uh, you know, we took three days or four days in an offsite retreat to create, and then we put it on a shelf and never looked at it again. Uh-huh. You know, this is a very brief document, eight to 15 pages. It covers every aspect of your life. And we talk about where you want to be in all the major areas of your life. And it's a document that you'll tweak and adjust as you go through the seasons of your life. But the basic design is to get the 30,000-foot view of your life so that you don't end up at a destination you didn't choose. And people do that all the time. You know, they end up uh, getting through their midlife and, and they find that their health is not what they wanted or their marriage isn't what they had signed up for or their career is just stalled out. Uh-huh. But the way to avoid that is to be intentional. And I don't know of a better way to be intentional than to create a life plan. It's like anything else. You got to plan 
uh, for it if you're going to get a different result. Yeah, and you 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 use this phrase. Uh, you call it the drift, uh, uh, acknowledging the acknowledging this drift that happens. So kind of like what is the what is the drift exactly? Yeah, I love this concept, and it really came from an experience that my wife Gail and I had when we'd been married ten years. We decided to go on a vacation to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. Only problem was we didn't have that much money, but we took all of our airline miles and we went to Hawaii. When we got there, we had enough money for the hotel and a rental car, but not a lot of money for entertainment. Mm -hmm. But we found out that the hotel was offering free snorkeling lessons and they were gonna teach us in the swimming pool and then they were gonna take us out onto the reef. So we did that. And when we got out into the reef, I mean, our heads exploded. We could not believe how amazing that was. So we discovered that we could rent snorkeling gear for $10 for the entire week. We thought, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. So the next morning after those snorkeling lessons, we went to the lagoon that was adjacent to the hotel okay. and we paddled out into the water. And it was like swimming in an aquarium. Uh -huh. All these multicolored fish and the seaweed was swaying and, and reflecting the sunlight. And we were totally captivated, totally distracted. 45 minutes later, we look up and to our horror, We'd been caught in a riptide, and we were way out to sea. The Whoa. hotel looked like a toy in the distance. And so Gail pulled her head up, and she screamed. Fortunately, we were still together. We had a boogie board, which was also a blessing. She said, what are we going to do? <laughs> and I said, we're going to swim like crazy for the shore. And so it took us like an hour to get back. We That's pulled ourselves up on the beach and collapsed. But that became, for us, a central metaphor for how most people live. They just mm. drift through life. They don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? Mm. I think sometime in my middle life, I want to have a heart attack. You know, I'm going to gradually get overweight until I just have a health breakdown and a health crisis. Mm. Or they don't start out after they leave their wedding and say, you know, I want to grow gradually apart until we end up in separation or divorce. Or in my career, I think I'll just top out and get stuck you know, in about five years and never progress any further. People drift to those destinations. It's what happens when we get distracted. It's what happens when we don't have a plan and we're just drifting through life. And here's the thing. No one ever drifted to a destination they would have chosen. Oh, wow. I mean, that is so powerful. You know, it's funny when you're talking about a story with you and Gail, I loved the picture that you guys, that you posted of your, I think it was your wedding night that you found at your mom's house. <laughs> yes. It was so adorable. Uh, I loved seeing that picture. So as soon as you started talking about that, I was like- uh, Visualizing it. Yeah, from your, that was, I guess, 10 years before this this story. That's right. Uh, which is the scariest thing. That, that's like my biggest fear is being stuck at sea. I and mean, that's just like oh. horrible, um, horrible. So- have you always had a life plan? Like, I, I mean, so tell me about like the real Michael Hyatt here because you go, oh yeah, you know, he's like one of the world's biggest bloggers and is a best-selling author and a former CEO and like this very, uh, you know, huge online presence. And, and uh, have you always been that way? Have you always no. had a formal life? You haven't, okay. No, so here's what happened. Um, like a lot of people, I had a plan for my work. But the truth is life is a lot more than work. And I want to win at work, but I want to succeed at life. But initially, I was highly driven in my work, and I was very successful in my work. But in about the year 2000, I had taken over uh, one of the divisions at Thomas Nelson Publishers. Uh, we had 14 divisions at the time. The division I became the general manager of was dead last in every single metric. So in wow. sales growth, 
return on investment, return on assets, all those things were just upside down. So the CEO said to me, he said, um, okay, how long is it going to take you to turn this division around and make it <laughs> profitable? Tomorrow. Be so, yeah, tomorrow. so I picked a, I just picked a number out of the air. I didn't know. I said three years. He said, okay, you got it. So I went back to my team. I shared with them what I thought we needed to do. Everybody started, you know, working together, but we were on the road constantly. We went from number 14 to number one in 18 months. That's wow. why I ended up as the CEO. But here's the problem. It came at a cost. Because I was on the road all the time, I wasn't paying attention to what I was eating. I wasn't working out like I should. I felt like I was drifting apart uh, from Gail and my relationship with her. Other members of my team were doing it. And I finally went to John Maxwell, who was one of my authors that I was publishing at Thomas Nelson, and he'd become a good friend and a mentor. And I said, John, I, I don't think this story is going to end well if I continue drifting like I'm drifting. And I, I, I've got to have something. I've got I to figure this out because it's not sustainable. And he said to me, I want to introduce you to Daniel Harkavy, uh. who's the CEO of Building Champions, which is a coaching company. And he said, I think you should talk to him. So I hired Daniel as my executive coach. First thing that Daniel did with me is he said, buddy, let's create a life plan. Because I get that you have a plan for your career, but it's not working so well with the rest of your life. And we need a plan for those other domains of your life. And so we did that. And we took uh, I took an entire day, and that's what we ask for in the book, is people give us a day, and we created this life plan. I created this life plan, ran it by Daniel, and I've had one ever since, and it's mm -hmm. been major, probably the most major thing in my life to help me not only win at work, but to succeed at life. So I'm reminded of this drift. I remember one time I was speaking at this YPO event, and this guy comes up to me, and he says, Ray, I know it doesn't look like it. And this guy's totally ripped. I mean, just like stacked, like Josh Axe kind of like ripped, you know. And he says, uh, he says, I know it doesn't look like it, but I used to be 120 pounds heavier. And I said, wow, like that's crazy. What, you know, so I was asking, I was like, what happened? You know, like, tell me the deal. Did you, did you, you know, was it a, a diet or a supplement or, or what happened? And and but he he told me he explained that he gained one pound every month for ten years that he was married. That's it, just one pound every month. But for ten years was a hundred and twenty pounds. So I think it's it's scary, you know, how much of that drift that is real that you can experience. And so I have a question for you. So did you and Gail like do this together? Like, um, did you do that? And, and the other thing that I didn't mention in your bio that a lot of people don't realize, and this is pretty awesome, is, is they don't know that you have five daughters. <laughs> and uh, not only do you have five daughters, but they were very close together in age. So this idea, uh, you know, did you do this when they were younger or did you do this kind of after? Yeah, this was after that. It was after. Yeah, so Gail and I have been married for 30, almost 38 years, wow. and we have five daughters. They're all grown now. All of them are very successful in their own right. But uh, yeah, it was really when they were in their teenage years that I finally decided uh, that I needed to get this life plan together. But it made all the difference. I, I No telling where I would have ended up in my personal life if I had not gotten a life plan and gotten a vision for what was possible in my marriage and in my parenting and my health and every other domain. Okay, so you talk about, like you mentioned that when you met Daniel, he's kind of going, okay, we got to get all these, these different aspects of your life together, all these like different compartments. And then in the, in the book, in Living Forward, you really 
um, you, you know, you, you mentioned this holistic view and you kind of approach it, approach things holistically, but, um, you know, some people still kind of think about their lives in like these seg- segmented compartments. Do you think that they are really segmented or are, are, or really, are they all connected? And it really is this holistic view or kind of like, what's your thought on that? It's, it's holistic. I mean, we, for the sake of abstraction and for the sake of focusing on them, we divide them up. But the truth is all these things are interrelated. So for example, I, I worked for a guy one time who was going through a divorce and it was brutal. It was very contested. It was very, uh, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of resentment. The guy was totally unavailable at work. This was my boss. He would come in at about 10 in the morning. He was completely um, sidetracked by what was going on with his divorce. His head was not in the game. He was not engaged. And that went on for about a year. So these different areas affect everything else. If you have a health crisis, you know, you have a heart attack, it's going to have an impact on your family. It's going to have an impact uh, on your work. It's going to have an impact on your friendships. So you can, you can separate them for the purpose of planning, but they show up together as a seamless whole. And that's why we have to give attention to all this. That's why, by the way, with Living Forward, we've had about 20 companies, including Nike, including Chick-fil-A, that have bought over 1,000 copies of this for their employees, for their senior leadership, wow. so to make sure that those guys are engaged and when they're at work, their head's in the game because these other areas of their life are attended to. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I do I think people underestimate that. I think people underestimate how connected those things are. I mean, I guess on some level, some some of them are more obvious than others. And I think some people realize that, well, yeah, if I'm going through a divorce, obviously that's gonna affect my ability to to work. But um I don't think a lot of people are see that connection as strongly. I mean, it's like how connected and important our fitness level is to everything that's that's kind of going on. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, part of my life plan is to make sure that I get enough sleep. Why? Because sleep is directly related to your ability to focus, your ability to be productive on the work. I know you've done a lot of work on the whole productivity thing, but that's why, you know, sometimes you get up and you're tired and you're trying to read something in the morning and you have to read the same page three or four times because you're tired. You know, you you didn't get enough sleep. And on the other hand, you know, I think sometimes when I get to the end of the day and I'm trying to do a, a complex project, and Gail will say to me, you know what, why don't you just go to bed? Because you're like 10 times better in the morning mm. than you are at night. Why? Because I'm rested. Mm-hmm. But you got to have a plan for that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's so powerful, that connection, that, that sleep is directly correlated to our, our productivity. And I, I think a lot of people don't make that connection, or it, you know, it takes a while until you sort of have that realization. It reminds me of what Vince Lombardi said when he said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And I think that's really powerful. So, so, uh, so how do you create a life plan? So to tell us a little bit, like, tell us about how, how, tell us about how. Okay. So it's pretty simple, but the life plan is basically the answer to three incredibly important, powerful questions. Okay. Okay. So you want me to give these to you? Yeah. Okay. So the first question is how do you want to be remembered? Now, kind of the myth of our society is that you're going to live forever. You know, we conveniently put sick, sick people out of our line of vision, uh, people that are dying, you know, we put those out of our field of vision, you know, because we act like we're going to live forever. But the truth is, we're all going to die. And Steve Jobs said, and, and this was fascinating, he said this two years before he died, almost prophetically, he said that facing death was the single most important tool he had for making life's most important decisions. 
And that was at a commencement address at Stanford University. And it's true. So one of the things that we do in this section of the book in answer to this question is we have you imagine that you're a guest at your own funeral. So just imagine on the front row, there's your family, all the people that are living now. Imagine if you were to die an untimely death today, and on the front row are all the people that you love the most. Directly behind them are the people that you work with and your friends and your neighbors and the people you go to church with. What would they be saying about you if they were asked to give a eulogy? And we, ha- and we have you write that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually that exercise in the book to actually write your own eulogy. Write your eulogy. And for most people, there's going to be a gap. They're going to go, ugh, I need more time. You know, because what my kids are probably going to say is I work too much. Or when I'm there having dinner with them, I'm on my cell phone and I'm Mm. handling email and I'm not paying attention to them. Or I need more time to get in shape or whatever it is. But here's the good news. You're not dead yet. (laughs) Right? So there's still time. So then we have you create a series of legacy statements. And, and this is this is one of my favorite things to do. So um, you're not dead yet. And we have you and we give you a little formula. So, you know, for example, I say, I want Gail to remember. And then, you know, it's things like that I take long we, uh, walks with her in the evening, mm. uh, that we sit and watch the sunset, that I'm her best friend. So we create these legacy statements Because here's the reality. All of us are going to leave a legacy. Sometimes we think that's, you know, Margaret Thatcher will have a legacy or Winston Churchill had a legacy or Theodore Roosevelt had a legacy. But all of us will leave a legacy. The only question is, is it going to be good Mm -hmm. or is it going to be bad? And you and I can engineer those memories, the, the things that people talk about when we ultimately pass. We can engineer those conversations beginning today. And that's that's the first question. How do you want to be remembered? Engineering, yeah, that that is such a powerful idea that you can engineer your own legacy, and you can you can engineer your own legacy, and you can do that right now. And so, legacy statements are: uh, I want to, I want blank to remember blank. So, is that basically how it works? So, yeah, so you want me to give you one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me, give me an example. Yeah, okay, I'm going to give you one right out of my current life plan. So, this is my one for Gail. I said, I want Gail to remember how I loved her, understood her, pursued her, and helped her accomplish her dreams. Mm. I want her to remember specific times that we shared together, times we laughed, times we cried, times we spent discussing things that were important to both of us, the times we just held one another and watched the sunset. Or here's one for how I want my colleagues, the people that work with me in my company. I say, I want my colleagues to remember my servant leadership, my integrity, my humility, and my commitment to having fun. I want them to remember how much they learned and grew as a result of knowing me. Most of all, I want them to remember how I stood for the greatness in them and empowered them to accomplish more than they ever thought possible. Mm -hmm. So I do one of those for each major category of my life. Give me the second question. Give me the second question. Okay, the second question is, what is important to you? Now, you probably know what's important to your spouse. You know what's important to your boss. You know what's important to your customers. You know, we all know what's important to other people, but this is a question about you. What's important to you? Because if we don't know what our own priorities are, then it's going to be very difficult to order our life in a way that gets us what we want to get. And so we have you identify the major categories of your life, and it's going to be different depending on the season of life you're in. Mm -hmm. Like once you guys have kids, that's going to be a completely different game than the one you're playing now. And your priorities will shift. You know, your, your priorities could shift if you've got a new business. 
Um, you know, all of us that have been through that certainly understand that. But, uh, you know, for me, for example, you know, and by the way, once we identify the different categories and we ask you to rank them. So for me, you know, it's God first. Sure. And then this is the shocking one for a lot of people. It's me next. And here's ah. why. It's like when the flight attendant comes out and does the little thing before you take off. They say, put the face mask, you know, the oxygen mask on yourself first before you attempt to uh, help somebody else. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be of much use to anybody else. Mm -hmm. So the purpose is not being selfish. The purpose is to be of service. So I got to take care of me to be of service to somebody else. So to get that, that list down, and I, I tell you another quick story. During the recession, when I was the CEO of Thomas Nelson, I took a much needed vacation after, you know, months of hand-to-hand -hand combat, slugging it out in the recession. Board gave me the approval. Uh, Gail and I took off for Denver on a Friday afternoon. We changed planes in Dallas. I made the mistake of checking my email. There was a message from the chairman of my board said, hey, change of plans. We need to come in and talk about an issue on uh, Monday, and I need you to come back. Mm. And I said, I showed it to Gail. Her heart sank. My heart sank. We'd had all this planned. And so I made a really hard decision. And it was scary, but my priorities gave me the courage to make the right decision in the face of that. I wrote him back and I said, I'm sorry, I won't be there. My staff will be queued up to help you, but I'm going on this vacation because I need it for the rest and I need it for my relationship with Gail. And those two priorities, and I didn't say this part, those two priorities come ahead of you. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I turned off my email. Now, here's the funny thing. I got back to the office. I asked my CFO, I said, what was that meeting about? He said, look, that totally could have been handled by email. It was a non-event. And I almost scuttled my vacation for what was going to be a non-event. Mm -hmm. But because I had a list of priorities and I knew what came first, second, third, and fourth, and I knew for me at that time work was about number five on my list, it, uh, it became a clear uh, decision for me. It gave me clarity and courage. I, I love that. And that is unique that, that the highest service, uh, the highest service you can be to other people is to be your highest self. And that's powerful. And it, and it is unique. So, well, you're not going to get the third answer here. If you, if you want the answer to the third question, uh, you're going to have to go buy the book. So Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy and um, Michael, I have another question for you, but before I before I do that, I just wanted to ask you. So, Michael, where do you want people to go to to stay connected with you? Yeah, well, for the book, well, first of all, me, MichaelHyatt.com, and you can even find links to the book there. But we have a dedicated website for the book called LivingForwardBook.com. There's a free assessment called the Life Profile Assessment that you can take that helps you kind of grade yourself in every major area of life. And then in addition to that, we give you a complete library of life planning templates, including the templates to create your life plan. So all that's free. All you have to do is uh, go there and pick it up. Yes, absolutely. So that's that's great. Go do it. I It's great. I did it. I went and I, I, I downloaded a life plan, and uh, it's great. So you should check that out. Now, so last question. Um, you know, in our industry, you've, you've, done a lot of, you've done a lot of things. I mean, CEO of a huge company. New York Times bestselling author, popular speaker, huge blogger, huge podcaster, five children. I mean, you've been married for 38 years. Gail, she's so lovely. And, and you've checked a lot of the boxes, right, that people would want in their life plan. So, so my question is, so what, what is next for Michael Hyatt? 
Yeah, for me, I always want to make, and I got this idea from Dan Sullivan, but I always want to make my future bigger than my past. Mm. So I have a 25-year plan. I'm 60 right now. So, and by the way, when I get to 85, I'll have another 25-year plan because I think it's important to constantly be creating value, constantly be stretching and growing. To me, happiness comes not in attaining anything. It comes in the pursuit of the stuff that's important to me and the stuff I feel called uh, to pursue. So it's it's feeling like I'm growing, feel like I'm progressing. And for me, it's really right now at this period of my life, it's about building my team and pouring into their lives. So I've got a small team of about 15 people and they're my top priority. I just want to build into their lives and make them great. Michael, I just want to say thank you for who you are and what you do and just for the, the countless number of people that you inspire every day. Thanks. Great to be with you. How cool. How cool. How cool. How cool. I'm so excited that we were able to get Michael to come on and talk with you. And it's just really powerful. And I was really inspired by the idea I of, of this life plan. And, and I downloaded Michael's template and I was looking through it and I was thinking, wow, you know, I've been doing this since I was in, in college. And I think probably just my exposure to Southwestern and reading John Maxwell books when I very first started, I just kind of did a lot of this automatically and I've never really put it all together. And I was just realizing, I was like, wow, this, this would be a whole, a whole book. So I'm going to just give you my seven essential elements of a life plan. And I think um, I remember being at, at Denver University and I remember mapping all this out and I still have it. I still have uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about. So the number one thing, the number one essential element, and I, these are tools. These are tools that you need. It's not just a plan. These are like tools that you use every day is affirmations, a list of affirmations of, of who you are, who you're becoming, who you want to be, and that list of affirmations is so important. It's one of the first things that we should be doing and that we do with our coaching clients at Southwestern Consulting is we help them create a list of affirmations. And I use these all different times. I read them in the morning, read them if I have to do something that makes me nervous in the middle of the day, like make a certain sales call or something, or um, just any time that I'm feeling down. And you, they're huge. They're huge. And I also, there's this very specific set of affirmations that I uh, have that are called the millionaire mind affirmations that I have been reading since I was 20, maybe 23 or 24 came from T. Harv Eker's book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which is probably one of the top five, certainly top 10 most impactful books that I've ever read. And he gives you these affirmations at the end of every chapter, and I compile them all together. And I read those every, pretty much every day or every other day, um, certainly several times a week. And I have since since then about the the way that millionaires think, and it's made a huge impact on my life. And all that stuff has come true. So uh, affirmations are key. You got to have them. And even if you're not like stand on your chair and bang on your chest and scream in the in the mirror kind of a person, which I'm not. I'm not that guy. Uh, but I'm, I'm more subdued, but I do read them and I keep them on my phone, uh, which I've shared several times on this uh, podcast before. So affirmations is number one. Number two is your vision. You got to have your vision. And there's a couple elements of vision that really matter for me that I would encourage you to do. And again, these are things that we're often coaching our clients through. And, and the first is a vision board because vision boards are fun and they're easy. And that's just 
can go to Target and Walmart or whatever. You grab some poster board and a bunch of magazines and you cut out all the stuff you want to have in your future. And it's so powerful because having all those pictures together is a very visceral experience for your brain. And your brain will just start processing and moving in a direction until it finds the answer of how to have all those things come true in your life. And that's been true for me and very, very powerful. So a vision board. The next thing is a vision description. Um, it's this exercise that Craig Valentine challenged me with to sit down and write out in vivid detail in paragraph form some moment in the future of what you want your life to be like. And you write out, you you make it vast, V-A-S-T, which is a speaking technique that we teach when we're telling teaching people how to tell stories. Uh, something V that you can visualize or see visually, something A that is auditory that you can hear, something S that you can smell, and something T that you can touch. These feelings that you, you know, what can you feel, the chair, the sand beneath, between your toes or whatever. And also there's two parts on the feeling. There's the external feelings and then the internal feelings. And that is so powerful to do. And that's a key part of your vision. And then the third part of vision, so this is all under number two, which is vision, is to have your purpose statement. Have, have a, a statement which is like one sentence about what you want your life to count for. And you've probably heard me share this on the podcast here before that, you know, our company has one, Southwestern Consulting, that we help people achieve their goals in life. That is the, the, the mission. That's like the internal mission. We also have an external client-facing one, which we'll be talking to you about soon as we release. Uh, we're going through some, we're doing some major branding uh, overhauls for Southwestern Consulting that you're going to see. Uh, come out here in the next few weeks. So you can be on the lookout for that. But you want to have a statement. And for the company, we help people achieve their goals in life is a, an, an integral part of our internal mantra that we're talking about all the time. And then, you know, I have a couple different ones for different things in my life. But my kind of professional one is that my role in the world and my unique talent is to combine intelligent insight with compelling inspiration to move people emotionally in a direction for their own good, to combine intelligent insight with compelling inspiration to move people emotionally in a direction for their own good. In other words, I help people take action in their life, and you'll hear more about that. But what is your purpose statement? Just one sentence about, like, what do you really do in the world? That sort of even transcends your job, but your job hopefully will be in alignment uh, with that thing. So that's the vision section. That's number two of seven. Number three is a budget a budget. That is one of the essential elements of your life plan. You know how huge I am on getting out of debt and being debt-free and uh, how Dave Ramsey's whole system changed my life and we went through the whole deal and now everyone in our company goes through financial peace and we're trying to have our entire company be debt-free at Southwestern Consulting. And But but here's a part I want to add to it. So you want to have your current budget. I think that's a big that's a real cool part of financial peace. But I think one of the things that uh, I've never really heard Dave talk about, which I think is critical, is you want to have a future budget also. And I did this when I was 18. Um, I created three budgets, a current budget, a future button, budget, and an ideal budget. And I think that's really powerful because your current budget, right, if you're, if you're on that journey of getting out of debt, that's like, whoa, you know, it's, it's you're really tightening down and you're cutting things out of your life and, 
it's very disciplined and it's it's very focused but but that's a short term harvest season that you should go through you know that's not the way your whole life is going to be it's going to be a period of 2 or 3 years that you're going to do that to to you know you work double time part time for full time free time so you want to also show a future budget right so like okay so once i'm debt free then what's going to happen? And I remember one of the things for me, um, when we got debt free, we said, one of the things is we're going to get a massage every week. And that's something that we do. We don't keep up with it every week, but every we do it very regularly. And that was one of the big rewards. And so that was like one of the kind of the step up once you're debt free. And then there's the ideal budget, which is, you know, that's like once your house is paid off and then you go, okay, now this is what I really want my life is going to look like, like at the next, next level. So you have your budget, which is number three, but you have current, future, and ideal. The number four tool in your essential elements of a life plan for me is a schedule. You got to have a tremendous, you got to have a schedule. And I do schedule, and I like to think of schedule also as current, future, and ideal. So you think of what is your what is your schedule right now, and chances are if you're getting out of debt and you're building a business or you're building your income, it's going to be pretty intense, right? There's some things that you're doing, or maybe you're in school, or maybe you just got married, or you just had a baby. You have this sort of season of really in, an intense schedule, but then you want to remind yourself and have the perspective of a future schedule of like, well, this is where I'm going, though. Uh, and then having an ideal uh, schedule of, you know, maybe one day this is what my life is going to look like. Maybe when I'm retired or, uh, you know, once I've scaled the company to a, a, a certain point or, or whatever. And you, you get to have the rewards of working your butt off for so long. So you got to have a schedule, current, future, ideal. Number five. So number one was affirmations. Two was vision. Three, budget. Four, schedule. Number five is a board of directors. You want to have a board of directors is um, who are the mentors and the people in your life that you look to for wisdom and that you look to for insight. And it's incredible how most of us don't think about that. We don't even think about who's pouring into our lives and who, who do we allow us, who do we allow to influence us and who do we go to for questions on certain things. And here's what's cool. The board of directors, I've done this in current, future, and ideal also. Uh, who are the people that are currently pouring in my life? And that might be people that I have access to. I listed out in that original vision um, description that Craig had me do, I listed out a bunch of names of people that I was like, I'm going to one day, I'm going to know all these people. And most of those people are very much a part of my life and have become friends that I, I reach to for counsel. So you have your own personal board of directors at current, future, and ideal. And you know the amazing thing about things like podcasts and this, right, is even if you don't have direct access to, to certain people, like like one-on-one, you, you have tremendous access to so amazing people who do podcasts and you know I, I consider like Michael Hyatt who you just heard from is someone that I've kind of thought of as like a mentor but kind of from a distance certainly Dave Ramsey and uh, you know I, I know Dave a little bit not tremendously well but uh, I've certainly he has been somebody that I've I've consciously said I'm going to allow him to speak into my life and uh, I've got pastors on that list and uh, so forth and so on so who's on your board of directors that's a that's a, a cool thing and a, and a critical one. Number six is your bucket list. You got to have a bucket list. Who? Uh, what are all the things that you want to do? And that was such a cool part of our engagement was that we sat down 
and we made a list of all the places we wanted to go, all the things we wanted to have, um, all of the sporting events we wanted to see. You know, no, like uh, we made a list of also what of our, our favorite restaurants in the world, like our favorite place to get sushi and our favorite place to get uh, desserts and pastries or whatever, like all these different things. And we put this kind of all together. And it's really, really cool to kind of check those things off as part of your life plan that you have a, a formal a formal bucket list. And then number seven is one that I'm going to add here that is from Michael. And I'd heard this before, but I've not actually ever done this. And so I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to write a eulogy for myself. And what do I want? What do I want the world to say about me when I am gone? So those are seven actionable things that you can do to create your own life plan. A list of affirmations, uh, a vision, which is broken up into a few elements, a budget, current, future, and ideal, a schedule, current, future, and ideal, a board of directors, current, future, and ideal, then a bucket list, and a eulogy. But I think the, the most powerful part of this whole concept is not just what is in the life plan. It's the fact that you have one. It's the fact that you are intentional. And you heard Michael talk about this with the the drift. What is the intention that you have for your life? What do you want your life to look like? And, and are you really willing to start engineering your legacy? Like Michael talked about. Or because maybe you're afraid to. Maybe you're afraid to sit down and do that. Or maybe you think you're too busy to. Or maybe you just feel like you're unclear. All of those things are are natural reasons to procrastinate. They're excuses. They're just fears. And I promise you the power of doing this, of sitting down and thinking about your life and what do you want your life to look like is so tremendously powerful. And I want to thank you. I thank you for listening in to this every single week and giving me an opportunity to be a small contributing member, perhaps, of your board of directors. I consider it a tremendous honor and a privilege and a responsibility. And I just, I love it. I love it. And I'm so grateful for you. And I just want to see you, too, engineer your legacy. Well, that about wraps up for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that really helps us get the word out and increase the traffic. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.